You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Pack of Net Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore dada. I do hope that you had a fantastic Memorial Day. I am technically recording this still on Memorial Day, and I can tell you, I'm still full. I ate a reasonable amount of food. It's just, you know, I've been eating less than normal amounts of food for a while now, so normal amounts of food are just, it's, it's, Pretty, it's pretty brutal, but uh, brats, beans, cornbread, and this was the first the first cornbread I would say that I'm super happy with, aside from the one that I made that was basically just a straight up dessert, like it was just cake, which is delicious. But I want it to be a little bit more authentic. This was cast iron, just solid. Brats were perfect. Got that lump charcoal going. Beans are right out of the can. <laughs> I'm not making homemade beans someday, but uh, come on. Um, it's, it tastes good out of the game. Maybe it's just cause I don't know any better, but that's just, it's, they taste good to me, man. But, uh, it was a good day. It's a good day. So there's two things I want to explore. Um, and even now I'm kind of going back and forth on how I want to handle this. Um, it's always one of the fears of this show and I mention it almost every day, but I don't know how long things are going to take to talk about. Usually what I say is this isn't going to take very long and it ends up, you know, one segment takes up an hour. But there's still that panic, like, dude, this is not enough for a full episode. But I got a question, and then I have uh, something else that I wanted to look into, because obviously today, technically, June 1st is a pretty important day. Now, I'll throw in the caveat. First of all, I'm not just talking about Aaron Rodgers. It's an important day because it's, you know, a big day for trades and cuts and whatnot. But I just want to throw this caveat in here again, because I've been talking about it a lot, and people are getting annoyed, and they assume I'm thinking certain things that I'm not necessarily thinking. I think Aaron Rodgers will be the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers this year. Not massively confident in that, but I am very confident the Packers will not trade him. And all I mean by that is if I find out that he got traded, I'll be shocked, right? Not like there's no way, but like, holy cow, that's crazy. The only question is how long is Aaron Rodgers willing to just pay all of his money to sit on a bench somewhere or to just not show up or whatever the case may be. And I just don't, there's so much money. There's, there's just too much money. So we'll get to that momentarily. Well, I guess we could do it now. I don't really want to, though. I don't want to start the show with talking about that all over again. So that's where I'm at. But I got a question from a brand new patron, Mr. Uh, Nikola Tesla, presumably not his real name. And I'm pretty sure I've mentioned his name before. Whether it was a question or he was a patron in the past, I don't know, but I remember saying I'm pretty sure that's not his name. Anyways, he joined up today. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Tesla, or Jim, or whatever your name is. He says, if Rodgers were traded, now again, caveat, which seems silly, but people will legitimately get mad. The funny thing is, I'll put it, I'll put a headline or a title to this podcast 
like who should the Packers pick up, blah, blah, blah. And people always answer the question that I ask. Whenever I make the podcast a question, it's like I'm, I'm not literally asking you the question. It's just the title. I just want you to go listen to it. That's it. People always answer it or argue with the question. It's like I'm seriously not trying to make discussion here. It's just the title. That's it. <laughs> I don't know why you feel the need to, to argue with me about it. Especially since it's just a clickbait title. It's just to get you to listen. It's probably not even, you're arguing with nothing that I even said. Anyways, question is, hypothetical question is, so don't get mad, if Rodgers were traded, if Rodgers were traded, what free agent position, that's free agent or position, might we consider upgrading in his absence? Assuming we spend $13 million on Devontae and have $15 million in cap left, which I think is pretty reasonable. So if we... It's a perfect question because it, it blends two things together. What I talked about yesterday, as well as what we're going to talk about after this. So we'll kind of revisit it after I kind of more generally answer it right now. What I talked about yesterday was how good the roster is, but there are certain parts that obviously are better than others. One of the more complicating factors, or at least one of the areas where other teams kind of had us beat, for example, would have been something like linebacker. That or possibly finding that other defensive lineman. We've been talking about that for a while now, seemingly forever, basically since, I mean, since we had Mike Daniels and, and Kenny Clark next to each other a few years ago, I guess, would have been the last time we had just a real good duo at uh, defensive line. But let's look at it. Let, let's say we were going to go out and drop, like, big money on, on a guy. I'm not entirely opposed to tackle. Offensive line is tough because you know there's a lot of talent there somewhere, you're just not entirely sure where, but... I don't think we have two really good tackles. We have Bakhtiari. Jenkins is an interior guy. I know he can play tackle, but that's not his natural spot. We're going to need somebody to fill in when Bakhtiari's gone is, is sort of point number two. Um, and as far as, like, natural right tackles, Royce Newman is really the only other one, and there's a lot of potential that he's going to get kicked into guard more regularly. Billy Turner has played a lot of tackle. He's played guard more than he's played tackle. And I think he's better at guard than he is at tackle. Or, you know, if he just doesn't quite start, that would also be fine. So, again, offensive line is tough. And I would be a little wary of going interior um, because, you know, we have Josh Myers who, you know, I mean, if we pay a bunch of money for a center, what the heck are we going to do with Josh Myers? At guard, we already know Elton Jenkins is the guy. Technically, we don't really have a another guard, but um, I also don't want to drop a bunch of money on a guy when we might have a bunch of, you know, when we do have a bunch of potential for guys that can fill in and possibly be very good. Now, that might be the case with tackle. I just think it's a lot less likely that that would be the case. And anybody that could potentially be a really good tackle, we already know has the potential to be a guard like Cole Van Lannan, Royce Newman, Billy Turner. Tight end, um, not a big fan of, mostly because we've gone down that road and every time we do it, it's a nightmare. Um, it would be nice to get a real stud at the position. But I think in lieu of a real stud, and no, I don't think Tunyon is necessarily a stud, um, solid, decent, um, got a bunch of touchdowns, but wouldn't quite say stud. But in lieu of one real good stud, we've got three guys with three different kinds of skill sets that I think can do a lot of cool things. Sternberger's kind of still trying to find his his place, and obviously DeGuara hasn't really proved anything. But again, there are three different kinds of tight end, and I think that they give you know, what maybe one guy can do on on one team, Matt LaFleur is able to do between the three different tight ends. So I think we're good enough there. Wide receiver is an option. 
It's not my favorite option. We still don't know what we're going to get in Funches. We still have Lazard, who we know we want to play. We've got Amari Rodgers, who we know we want to play. And if we get another wide receiver, which, again, is part of the problem with, with drafting a guy, somebody's going on the bench. In two wide receiver sets, if we pay top dollar to another wide receiver, let's say it's Julio or something. Not that you're going to be mad if it's Julio, um, but let's say it's not quite as good as Julio, but a solid guy. Um, it's just... Adams and that other guy, and Funches is on the bench, Amari's on the bench, and Lazard is on the bench. And in three wide receivers, you've got Adams, new guy, and probably Amari in the slot. Lazard just doesn't play anymore. Funches is just useless. Um, At the cornerback position, you could make a case for the slot, although I think we've got um, Chandon is a good football player. And and to be completely honest, worst-case scenario... Stokes doesn't win the job, and we have Jair, Sullivan, and and King, which is the same as we had last year, which is not a bad group. King kind of has his issues once in a while. Sullivan has issues once in a while. But they're a, it's a decent trio. What we have is a really talented first-round pick that the Packers are really going to try to push to take that spot and upgrade that position. And we've also got, again, Gene Charles to potentially take over that slot role from Chandon Sullivan. So I don't necessarily see a need to go out and and pay big money at that position. Um, At pass rusher, I think that would be a little bit silly. We've got a bunch of guys that I'm not even sure how we're going to pay in the future anyways. And again, it just gets to be a point where who plays and when, right? I mean, if you even if you want to do the NASCAR package with Kenny out there, you got three guys that are rushing the passer. Well, you got Smith, Smith, and Rashawn. And say you want somebody better than than Preston. It's just, it's kind of iffy. Again, defensive line, absolutely. Even though we've got Tadero Slayton, it's still fine because, again, I'm I'm fairly confident he is just a role-player rotational guy. I understand he's athletic. I get all that. It's not like he's useless as a pass rusher. I don't think that's his primary role. So if we got a guy that is a top-end um, defensive tackle in terms of run defense and pass rush, or just pass rush, you know, you get a guy that's a good interior pass rusher that maybe struggles a little bit, then you've got that rotational aspect between him and TJ and and the other guys that we have along the defensive line it's just another piece but it's it doesn't bother me as much because TJ's coming off the field either way they all are they're all getting rotated Kenny's the only one that's going to be out there a huge portion of the time um linebacker I think would be huge if there's a if if there's one position that you can say there's a stud he's available you're gonna have to break the bank for him but I mean he's he's just a an absolute top end modern-day NFL linebacker that um, can go sideline to sideline, can drop into coverage, that would be the one kind of no-brainer for me. Let's let's just drop the dough, right? Let's just let's do everything we can to get that guy. And then you got that guy to pair with Kamal, with Barnes, with Summers, whoever it is we need out there. But that's the key piece in the middle of that defense. And then at safety, I don't mind it if you're looking for a number three guy, but you're looking for sort of a Tyron Matthew. You're looking for a... Uh, sort of that number three versatile piece. I don't think you want a guy that's just a safety, which most safeties in the NFL today are not just safeties, but you got to be able to move them around. And, and again, it is a little bit iffy because, you know, depending on how much money we're talking, I don't know how often he plays. I don't know exactly what Joe Barry's system um, is going to require in terms of how often there's going to be three safeties. I'm sure it would be unbelievably valuable to have, but I also don't want to drop massive amounts of money, you know, $10 million on a guy that's going to be on the bench 45% of the time, or even 40 or 38. I don't care. It's too much money, especially for safeties who are on the field every single play. I mean, they don't, they don't come off like pass rushers and defensive tackles and stuff. They stay on 
if you look at snap counts, you've got like offensive linemen, quarterbacks, and safeties. So that's where I would focus my fire. Um, again, maybe a right tackle, a defensive tackle, especially a pass rushing defensive tackle. That would be a good pairing. You could possibly argue a, a run defender, but we get sort of that overlap again, where it's like we're hedging on the possibility that TJ doesn't work out, but it's also going to make it harder for him to get on the field and give him less opportunities. And it's just, it's kind of a clunky thing that I'm not a big fan of. Linebacker again, would be massively um, beneficial if they are in fact available. In terms of free agents that are currently available right now, there's uh, there's a few options. It's just it's kind of one of those things too. Where I, and I've talked about this at wide receiver with free agents as well as the draft. I don't want to dabble unless they're top tier guys, um, which is what I hope Amari is, because we have guys that are good, not great. Alan Lazar, Devin Funches, MVS. They're fine. They're they're good football players. They're good role players. We don't need more of those guys. And so when I look at, you know, Billy Turner, when I look at, um, you know, Elton Jenkins who can fill in, when I look at, you know, what we might have in some of the guys that we've brought in recently, I'd like it to be something better than that. Um, You've got, for example, DeMar Dotson, 36-year-old. I mean, there's really no signs of slowing down, although, again, 36. (laughs) Well, he'll be turning 36 this year. But, I mean, he, he's very similar, in my opinion, to, for example, Rick Wagner. So if we assume DeMar Dotson is, is like an older version of Rick Wagner, do you want him back? I mean, it's, it's nice for depth, but how much money do you want to spend on a guy that's, you know, I don't know. Could just bring back Rick Wagner, by the way. Um, Russell Okung is, is still available. He's also getting up in age. I actually sorted it by age, so we're kind of looking oldest to youngest. But there's a lot of, I mean, offensive line is crazy, and it kind of gets you excited for guys like David Bakhtiari because you realize, I mean, he's he's 33 years old. He's going to be 34 this year. He had an 80 pass blocking grade last year for the Carolina Panthers. So he played for Seattle forever. Um, good football player, mostly a good pass blocker, not as good as a run blocker, but whatever. Goes to Denver in 2016, 71 pass blocking grade, 73 run defense grade. That's fine. Goes to the Chargers for three years. His grades overall 78, 79, and then he got injured in 2019. I think the biggest thing probably is injuries. He didn't play a full season in 2020 either, but he's a good football player. If you want a guy that's a little bit more of a, a high risk, I mean, if he's cheap as a you know fill-in, especially with David Bakhtiari out, I don't know that I would hate Russell Okong. Struggle with injuries, but when he plays, he's a good football player. You know, there's there's a lot of there's a ton of guys here. There's probably 30 different tackles that are available. Um, the problem is they're free agents for a reason. So there's not a lot of stud free agents out there. There are possibilities for fill-in guys, though, if the Packers did want to do that. And again, Rick Wagner's still there if you want to go that route. And that's about what you're getting in a lot of these guys. Or guys that are good, but again, Jason Peters is going to be 40 this year. So, I don't know. DeMar Dotson, 36. Russell, 33. Even Wagner's 32. Uh, If you wanted to look at defensive tackle, there are some pretty big names at defensive tackle. Um, Geno Atkins, again, I know we're not sorted by age anymore, but we might as well be 33 years old. Geno, I think a lot of people think is, is sort of done either that, or he's doing what a lot of guys do, which is to say, I have been a premier athlete for, um, geez, 10 years basically. And, um, I want to get paid accordingly. And everyone else is saying, dude, you're a 33 year old who was real bad in 2020 after most of the year being injured. 
meaning he's asking for too much money. But um, I hate the win healthy thing. Really hate it because it's mostly garbage. There's potential that Geno Atkins win healthy is very good. The problem is when you're 33 years old and you're injured and you don't play a year, it's not as easy to bounce back in year, you know, year 33 and uh, dominate like you did before. But just going back to 2019, he had 53 pressures on 480 attempts and five sacks. The year before that, 64 pressures on 493 attempts with nine sacks. So, again, he's probably asking too much, and he's probably not worth what you're going to pay. But um, this is a very, very good football player and has been for a long time. If you're willing to roll the dice and, and again, probably overpay, you're, it's a high-risk, high-reward proposition. And he's a good run defender, too. He's, he's, I mean, he had a 44 overall grade in 2020, the year that he was injured, but, you know, he just wasn't doing very well. But um, prior to that, the only time he didn't hit 70 was in 2011, he had a 69.4, and as a rookie, a 58.8 in 2010. But he's been 70s, 80s, and and 90s even um, in run defense as well. So he, in both facets of the game, very good football player, if he's still got it in him. Similarly, Kwan Short, Carolina Panthers, been there since 2013, dominant, dominant, dominant from 2013, I guess you'd say through 2018, but um, looks like he played a somewhat of a condensed year in 2018, didn't play hardly at all in 2019, and then also again in 2020, he only played three games. Again, lots of injury issues with Kwan Short, but when he's on the field, he's extremely healthy. And, and I think the rationale, and I'm, I'm sure most people, myself included, would say I'm just really not interested. It's not really worth the risk and the money and all that. But the, the best argument for it would be the fact that he's not going he's, he's gonna to be on a very limited snap count. It's sort of like Aaron Jones playing here where a lot of other teams would take him and say, you're our workhorse, and he's going to get 25 carries a game, and his body can't hold up to that. Packers are like, we're going to give you 12 to 15 a game, and, and we're going to balance out the rest of the workload to everybody else. That's why Aaron Jones can dominate the way he does through entire seasons and into the postseason. Because all the way back to Mike McCarthy, they recognize you can't run this guy into the ground. Now, by the time the season runs down to an end, we do kind of you know grind him a little bit because you know this is what we saved you for. But um, again, it, it's one of those situations where if you're willing to probably pay a little bit too much, you get a guy that, you know, I mean, especially run defense. Uh, since 2013, 79, 80, 88, 87, 91, 85 from 2013 to 88 are his run defense grades. Absolutely dominant in that category. But um, even outside of that, he's he's roughly about 10%-ish, maybe as a pass rusher, even getting 11 sacks back in 2017. So again, high risk, high reward if you want to drop a little bit of cash on him. Definitely are not going to pay top dollar for a 32-year-old K-1 short anymore, especially coming off injuries two years in a row. But um, it's an option. Another elderly stud is Jarrell Casey, um, longtime Tennessee Titan who went over to uh, Denver. Another guy that roughly sits at the 10% pass rush rate, but uh, dominant run defender, competent pass rusher. Now, in 2020, again, similarly, Played 156 total snaps, only three games after week three he was done due to injury. And again, at 31 years old, how easily are you going to be able to bounce back? You know, especially for defensive and offensive linemen at that weight. You know, depending on the injuries, you know, you you put your body through so much as it is through training and everything else that you have to do. The excess amount of weight that you not only carry around on a day-to-day basis, but the amount of weight that you put on yourself to train through weightlifting and just running and everything else. takes a bigger toll on your body and your ability to recover 
is um, hampered. But again, since 2000, from 2011 to 2019, his worst, I mean, even through 2020, he did in, in those three games, he was fine. His worst grade ever was in 2014 Tennessee Titans, a 70 overall grade. He's never been less than good. And even that year, his worst grade was run defense, 69.4. He's just he's just a good football player. But the guys was hurt last year. Um, he will have played, if we picked him up, it'll be three teams over the last three years, 31 years old. It's high risk, high reward. Um, kind of a bigger name guy than anything, Sheldon Richardson. Again, been around since 2013. Kind of, uh, he was much more dominant when he was with the Jets his first four years. He kind of moved around after that and kind of lost a little bit of his luster, but he's never really been bad. 20, and he did play a full season, so, you, so he's a little younger. He's only 30, which is old, but younger than the other guys. And last two years, he's played for Cleveland, and he's been decent. Even 2020, his grade was a 60, basically a 69 overall, 68 run defense, 66 pass rush, 51 pressures on 591 attempts, so less than 10%, which isn't great, but it's something, and six total sacks. So again, you don't want to pay a ton of money for him, but it is an option if you wanted to drop a little cash. So we would have a lot of leftovers if uh, if we had 13 to 15 million or whatever to play with. Uh, another real interesting prospect, Shelby Harris, um, sort of last four years, he's so he started off with the Raiders, and then the last four years he's been with Denver, and when he went to Denver, he just really took off. Um, his four years at Denver, his grades have been 76, 90, 76, and 88. Um, he's always been a competent run defender, and his pass rush has gotten better every single year. The first three years were not very good, and then it went from 60 to 70, from 70 to 73, and then up to an 83.5. So for a um, basically 30-year-old seventh-round pick, he's he's done a good job of, of kind of making a name for himself. A little bit up in age, very up and down. I mean, he's either getting, if we look at his, his grades are hilarious. Um, if you sort by grade, his grades in order are 92, 92, 91, 89, 86, 85, 81, right? So that's about half the season. Then it's 55, 49, 47, 29. He doesn't have a single 60 or 70 the entire year. His lowest good game was an 81. His highest bad game was a 55. So he's very inconsistent, but you get those dominant flashes from him. Um, Snacks is still out there if we wanted to go that route, which I don't want to because we basically just drafted Snacks. Could always get Mike Pinnell back. I always liked Mike Pinnell. Um, when he was a Packer, I was always a big fan of him. Uh, we never really had super dominant defensive linemen outside of Mike McCarthy, and I just thought Mike did a good job when he was in there. But at this stage in his career, he's 30 years old. Um, his last real good season was in 2018, so probably not going to be there but I you know it'd be kind of a fun little reunion I don't see a purpose for it it's, it's that that would be like a Ted Thompson signing to me not not to trash the guy but man when he went out in free agency he either did super big splashes that basically were dominant you know like uh, Charles Woods and Julius Peppers or he just gets guys it's like why why did you bother to even spend the money because that that was useless I feel like that would be Mike Pinnell um I, just again there's a billion other guys we could go get uh, Eddie Vanderdose. The only reason I say that is because he was uh, playing with Kenny Clark at UCLA, and I always thought that was kind of funny, or would have been a fun little thing to get both of those guys. But uh, Eddie, I don't believe, has been a very good football player. And then uh, finally at linebacker, we got, again, decent pile of names that uh, everybody knows. 
they have Shaquille Barrett listed here, which would be a no-brainer, but he actually did side with Tampa, so they need to need to up their game here a little bit. There is everybody's favorite, Quan Alexander, a guy that I've never been high on. Um, his highest PFF grade ever was in 2016, a 68.5. People like him because he's 6'1", 227, and he can fly. He ran a 4.55. He can cover a lot of ground, and um, I'm sure that he, he... It's one of those things where you can kind of dictate to offenses a little bit. In other words, you take certain things away. However, once they adjust and say, okay, we won't do that anymore. Now it's like, you're just out there to make sure they don't do that thing. But the thing that they are doing, you, you can't, you're not good at stopping it, but no, I would not be a fan of that. Um, Avery Williamson is not great. I mean, there's just, there's, there's not a ton here. I mean, there's guys, again, there's guys you can get, but it's like, I don't know that they're necessarily heads and tails better than the guys that we have. So I'd rather just roll with the guys that we have. Um, But anyways, with all that said, why don't we take a break? Because I want to look at some other guys that are not available, but may potentially become available. So again, uh, shout out to Mr. Tesla for jumping in on Patreon. Remember, if we get before the end of week one, we get to 300 patrons, which is now 80 away. I'll be giving away a Green Bay Packers ticket to one of my patrons. We are on track to do that. If you want to get involved in that, uh, be possibly in it to win it. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy for just a dollar a month. And it really does a lot to help out this podcast. As I said, if everybody listening did that, I would be set. And this would be my full-time job and it would be glorious. But um, that is not the case. But please consider it. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. 
This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we are back. We are back. We are back. Hope you did enjoy that uh, beautiful, sultry break. I know I did. It was about a four-second break, but, uh, you know was a break anyways um i want to look at june 1st for a couple different reasons um a couple different questions to ask i guess number one what candidates outside of aaron Rodgers, apparently vacuuming at 9 30 at night is becoming a nightly tradition we are to be fair we are moving to a new house next week but still it have to be 9 30 at night whatever i'm forging ahead i want to go to bed sometime tonight Sorry if you can hear that. If not, just I'm um, just old man yells at the clouds. What players on the Green Bay Packers are also cut candidates post June 1? Question 2. What other NFL players are cut candidates post June 1? And then following up what we talked about in the first segment, who of those players could possibly be a fit for the Packers if they cut Rodgers and have a bunch of money to play with? Now, circling back to that first question. The way that I answer this is these are players who it was not feasible to move on from prior to June 1 that suddenly become feasible, and they are not players that we recently restructured their contract because that would have been stupid to do if we're planning on cutting them. So obviously top of the list is Aaron Rodgers. Now, according to, this is over the cap, we would lose $1.14 million if we traded or cut Rodgers tonight. Tomorrow, if we cut Rodgers, we save $16 million. Now, I know I'm saying cut, but that's just how I have it designated here. Actually, if it says if we trade him, we save 22.8. So it's actually significantly higher. See, now I'm, now I'm intrigued because that changes a lot of these guys' contracts. I'm guessing because the trade would bring on... Whatever, we're sticking with, with cut because I don't know that a lot of these guys have... This isn't about Rodgers. I don't know that there's a lot of trade appeal for a lot of these other guys, so we're calling it cutting. Devontae, nothing changes. And I don't really want to talk about that anyways. Zadarius is technically a candidate, but we save almost no money and we just reworked his contract, so that doesn't make any sense. Preston, we also just did. Kenny, we just gave an extension. Adrian Amos could technically be in that category, but um, we're saving less than $2 million to cut one of the best safeties in football. That's ridiculous. Which brings us to our newest candidate, which, again, I, I think these are mostly extremely unlikely, but it's worth talking about so that we don't all get blindsided, and then it's like, why didn't I see that? That actually makes a lot of sense. Continuing on with our list here, Billy Turner also was just restructured, so that is very unlikely that he ends up getting moved, because that would make no sense. Which, again, this is part of the reason why all these restructurings are not great. It it takes away all your, your potential to do different things. You get stuck with everybody. Not saying that they would have moved on from Billy Turner, I'm just I'm just saying. Uh, Dean Lowry would be another candidate that we cannot move because they restructured his contract. Um, he go, We would go from losing two some odd million dollars to saving about a million bucks. But we just restructured them, and that, again, doesn't make any sense. So the first one on the list, and again, I don't think this is going to happen. I just want to bring this up so that we're at least talking about it. Mercedes Lewis. Now, if we were to cut Mercedes Lewis today, we would save about $200,000 um, if we cut him tomorrow, we save his entire contract, which is $2.2 million. Now, you know, look, 
Mercedes hasn't really been top of his craft for a very long time. We don't usually talk about that. We usually like to talk in glowing terms about how he's still one of the best blocking tight ends in football and all that, which I disputed before he even came to Green Bay. Basically, he hasn't been like one of the top guys since 2012, but whatever. Um, look, I, I think the Packers like Mercedes Lewis a lot. I think they want to keep him around, but we do have three tight ends that I think are going to be getting a decent amount of time on the field. Mercedes Lewis is 37 years old. He graded out last year in the 70s or higher, so 70s three times, 80s once, otherwise 60s, 50s, and 40s the rest of the season. Four games where he was 70 or higher via PFF. With the Packers being as massively cash-strapped as they are, it is a possibility. I, I would say it's unlikely, especially if they want to keep Rodgers around, because that's just going to... Or if they just want to push him over the edge, they'll just dump Mercedes, but I don't, I don't think they can do that, because Rodgers is a huge fan. I think everybody is. He sounds like a great dude. Um, somebody else, and again, very unlikely, but something to keep an eye on. And, and it, again, it's one of those things where it's like, today I'm going to say that's stupid. If it happens tomorrow, everybody's going to say, oh, we should have seen that coming. Kevin King. We literally just drafted Kevin King's replacement. Um, as of right now, if we were to move on from Kevin King, where did he go here? The Packers would lose $1.8 million, which they cannot afford. Tomorrow, the Packers would save $1.2-ish million. Again, not super likely, but don't think of it in terms of we have to do it to save the money. Think of it in terms of what if the Packers wanted to, let's just say trade. What if they wanted to trade Kevin King? They're saying we can't do it right now because we're going to lose money, but we can do it June 1st, right? Let's say there is a, a slight market out there for Kev, and we know that there's a lot of teams out there that are really bad off. Like, real bad off. Again, I doubt it. I've been saying this whole time, I think Kevin King is our starter, and probably for several weeks. But if the Packers are just 100% done with the guy and can't get him off the team fast enough, tomorrow would be the day, whether that comes by trade or cut or whatever the case may be. So, anyways, um, not a whole lot else that they can do. Again, it's Aaron Rodgers, Mercedes Lewis, and Kevin King are the three that I can see as somewhat potential None of them are very likely outside of Aaron Rodgers on the off chance that that ends up happening. But, you know, I believe the Packers when they say they're not trading Aaron Rodgers. So probably not, but I'm going to put it out there just before, you know, things happen. Now, finally, on to other NFL players that are being seen. And, and you know, again, it's there are guys at the top of the list, and then each individual team, you can break down three, four, five, six guys that are maybes like Kevin King, but you know, 95%, that isn't going to happen. But at the top of the list, as we know, is Mr. Julio Jones. Apparently, there's a lot of conversations out there, and, and circling all the way back to the first segment of the show, would this be a wise investment? Would this be something worth doing if the Packers had $15 million at their disposal to go out and get a guy like Julio Jones. <sighs> you know, what? one of the hard things about it, as much as it's easy to just say no, um, if we're talking one-year contracts, I almost never can find a good reason to say no. One-year contracts are, first of all, they're becoming somewhat popular. But, you know, back when... Uh, players and their agents and whatever vehemently went against them and said, no, I, I want, forget, you know, forget your one-year contract. We want longevity. We want some form of security. 
But if you're talking one year, it's hard because you recoup all the money next year. So it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know if Julio would want to do one, but at his age, I don't know why he would pick the Packers necessarily. I mean, I would say Aaron Rodgers, but if he's leaving, I mean, if he's not, then, then there you go. But the whole question that we're asking is if we have money because Aaron Rodgers is gone, it's the only way this works anyway. But, um, I guess, I don't know. Again, if it's a one year thing, let's, let's get the kids some fun. Let's see what we can do with Julio and Devante on the field at the same time. Again, Devante, we have to pay for a long time. So that's going to, his contract is going to go up and then Julio is gone after next year. And if nothing else, the goal is let's just make it as good as possible for Jordan Love. And hopefully we end up with a better record than whatever team Aaron Rodgers goes to. So we can, uh, you know, tell him to shove it up his nose. Uh, safety Landon Collins out of Washington. Absolutely not. I didn't want him the last time he was available. Uh, everybody else did, and I thought that was ridiculous. It was ridiculous then. It's ridiculous now. One name that's kind of interesting that um, I'm not a huge fan of because he, he fits the mold of every other small, fast linebacker that's not as good as everybody thinks, but still interesting nonetheless because he's got a unique skill set, is linebacker Jordan Hicks. The uh, Arizona Cardinals added Zayvon Collins in the draft. And so apparently Jordan Hicks said, fine, if you're going to draft Zayvon Collins, then I want out. And the Arizona Cardinals are right. All right, you can go shop around if you want. Let, let us know what you find. Now, again, it's, it's iffy because he was, he was actually quite good for Philadelphia, not as good for Arizona. Um, but for his four years at Philly, his four years of grades were 80, 88, 64, and 78 and then 61 and 50. So it, it obviously wasn't working in Arizona, but that's something where Joe Barry would have to come in and say, yeah, we can make it work with him. But otherwise, I'm just seeing a guy that hasn't been very good for quite a while. Um, Trey Flowers with Detroit. Again, the talent is there. I like Trey. I don't think there's a place for him in Green Bay. If nothing else, I'd be happy for him to just leave the NFC North so we don't have to worry about him. Um, Eric Ebron, tight end out of Pittsburgh. As I mentioned before, if we're going to add somebody, I'd like it to be somebody that's definitely above and beyond. I don't know that... Obviously, Eric Ebron is a uber-athletic individual. He's had some success in Indy, or at least did for a brief period of time with, uh, what's his name, Mr. Luck. But I just, I don't know that it's really going to pan out. And I'd rather not spend the 3 4 $5 million, whatever it's going to cost to bring him in. Um, Sterling Shepard, wide receiver for the Giants. Again, I don't know that he's necessarily better than the guys we have, so I'd rather not. Devin Kennard, edge rusher, again, not interested in edge. Um, however, Anthony Hitchens, linebacker out of Kansas City, is potentially available. You guys know how I feel about Kansas City de- uh, defensive players in general, but six foot, 235, I don't know, man. The, guy, <laughs> the guy's never done anything. Let's, let's cut to the chase here. Trying to save the best for last, and I might as well just go to the last because the rest of these are just not that interesting. A very expensive individual um, that would be definitely an all-in move would be linebacker C.J. Mosley. Now, I'm shocked at how much the Jets paid him. Um, I have a hard time paying really anybody that much money, but C.J. Mosley is a very good football player. Um, He did decide to opt out in 2020. He didn't really play in 2019. So, to my point, it's been a waste of money up to this point. But the little bit that he did play in 2019, he was very good. And he's basically been like low to mid-70s every single year, which, although not massively impressive and maybe not what you want in terms of paying that much money, fact of the matter is the guy's a good run defender and the guy's a good coverage guy. He can do both things. 
My biggest concern is the massive contract that's coming with him um, that would be in that trade. The fact that he's nearly 29 years old and the fact that he hasn't played the last two years. But in terms of like one of the better football players at the linebacker position possibly becoming available, and really, as I've said before, there's just not a lot of linebackers in the NFL like anywhere on any team that I'm looking at saying that guy's a stud. I mean, at least compared to other positions. You know, wide receiver, geez, you could have two or three on, on any one team. Linebacker, what are there, like seven or eight of them that are just really good football players? And um, I think CJ, depending on where he's at, again, at 29, not having played very much. And it's not like he was injured last year. He opted out. But um, he's a good football player in Baltimore. Opted out. Maybe that's going to extend his the lifetime of his career another year. I don't know. But that is a potential cut candidate post-June 1 that uh, is worth keeping an eye on. If the Packers moved on, which, again, I don't think they're going to. Even if Rodgers says, I'm definitely not playing, and the Packers believe him, I think they're just going to make him sit. And uh, we're not just going to recoup that money today so that nothing would happen. But um, again, there's there's a lot of guys that could potentially be cut, probably many that are not on that list. For example, um, that Laurent Duvernay-Tardif for the Chiefs, uh, Ben Neiman for the Chiefs. Every single team has these websites with potentials for our team. And again, there's a lot more... Um, a lot more in-depth potential guys. You know, I mentioned Jordan Hicks for the Cardinals, but there's also Kennard. There's Christian Kirk, which I think could be massively interesting, even though we got Amari Rodgers. If we didn't get Amari, I think Christian Kirk would be really interesting. He may still be, but less so. Um, Zach Ertz, obviously. Hayden Hurst. Um, so there's lists everywhere. We got to kind of just wait and see what happened, but I wanted today to be just a little bit of a primer of what potentially could be going on because June 1st isn't just about Aaron Rodgers. June 1st is a decision point for a lot of teams. Not that it necessarily has to happen today, but at this point, this is where teams are starting to um, try to enact trades. And if those trades over the next couple of days, weeks, whatever, don't materialize, they may just end up cutting them. And that may not be up until, you know, training camp starts. So this may be somewhat of a drawn-out process, but expect things to start happening today-ish. But anyways, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.